0: You are now listening to The Brian Black Experience with your host, Brian Black. What's going on, everybody? It's your main man, Brian Black. Thank you for joining me for another edition of the Brian Black Experience. And we're not going to even I'm not even going to keep you very long. This is part two of my interview with Joanne Atkins Ingram, mother of the deceased Braden Bradforth and her attorney, Jill Green. I hope you guys enjoyed part one. And again, this is part two of her interview where Joanne goes on to talk about what happened next. After she learned that Braden had passed and her efforts to obtain information from Garden City Community College out in Kansas and their uh, lack of response, for lack of a better term, and providing this grieving, grieving mother with information on how her child passed away. So that being said, let's get right to it. If you have any comments, please email me or Instagram me on social media or Twitter, uh, at B underscore skills. That's B underscore S K I L L Z. And I'll see you in a few enjoy.
1: You know, the sun was coming up and I just, I couldn't believe that this was really, really, you know, happening. Like I just had spoken to him. So how could this even be, you know? So then I'm just, I'm back in, disbelief because I'm like at some point you know he's gonna call me and you know tell me how his day was or ask for something or you know just him being silly him and then you know the hours were going by and I'm like okay and I, I even I think tried to call his phone his phone was going straight to voicemail hmm. so you know I don't, I don't from that moment on I guess for like the next two weeks. The only time I left the porch was to literally use the bathroom. Like I wasn't really eating, you know, people were bringing food by. And and when I tell you it was around the clock, it was around the clock. Now this was like three o'clock. Okay. So by seven o'clock that night, there were kids in front of my house. They had already blown up posters of him. They had signed it. They had already had t-shirts made with Brandon's wow. face on it. They had organized a vigil, now, this was six, seven, eight hours later mm-hmm. that they were already doing this. it's amazing. And when I tell you it was and it was so many kids. And I'm like, I just I'm like, these are kids. I'm like, look how organized mm-hmm. they are. And they just found out. And when I tell you, it was just mass tears at this point, mass tears. But whatever they could do for me, they were willing to to do and this was amazing the fact that they could do this you know and the way that you know they're, they're like these kids are our future and I would always be like oh I'm scared because I <laughs> <laughs> these kids are all over the place like what like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I want to be here and be a part of this Or, but it was really amazing as to what they could do in such a short amount of time and it was so positive And the fact that Braden touched all of these kids, and it wasn't just girls, it was boys, it was, you know what I mean? It was teenage kids, it was older kids, it was young adults, it was, I just could not, I couldn't believe it. And then from that moment on, my life has been so different. Just even waking up in the morning, my life changed with one phone call, and it will never ever be the same.
0: Um the this happens you get this news. Who did you receive your next phone call from? Um with regards people, to his passing.
1: People here, I've never spoken to any of the coaches mm. ever. Um even to this day. Uh my son, I want to say talked to one coach, which coach I'm not sure. I know he spoke to the chaplain. Um, At the hospital, because I think they reached out to the chaplain of the hospital to then do whatever he did at the hospital. I don't even know what he did. I don't know if he went and prayed over Brayden. I don't know. I don't know anything about Brayden's entire hospital experience except what I read in the emergency room report. That was it. So.
0: So when you when you got this phone call, obviously the phone call came from your family, but your next Official call with regards to again how he passed. It's it almost sounds it sounds like and maybe I'm slow, but it sounds like you're saying you did not know how your son died.
1: No, and you're not slow, and I understand exactly what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. To this day, I have never spoken to spoken to any of the coaching staff at all. Mm-hmm. So whether they you know wanted to send their condolence, or they sent it to other people, but not me. I have yet to hear from any of the, the, trainer, the only person that I spoke to, and that was a few days later was the athletic director, John Green.
0: Did Mr. Green tell you, give you an initial, um, synopsis of how uh, Braden passed?
1: Well, um, I want to say yes. My memory is getting worse by the day, but I want to say yes, but it wasn't a detailed. It was only what he heard because he wasn't present for this. So even what he says is hearsay, so to say, or a third party Can because talk- he wasn't actually there. So he's also going by what was told to him that he's now explaining to me, but not really saying a lot because of the condition I was in. Correct. So interject
2: for a second. Yes. You know, the head coach, Jeff Sims, who did not, who never reached out to Joanne, uh, but did almost immediately after Brayden passed, went to the media and uh, he is quoted in Sports Illustrated as saying that uh, Brayden died, as he believed it, to be a blood clot. Well, you all know, since the autopsy report, that's inaccurate. It was not a blood clot. But that was his reasoning and he made sure the media knew. It was a blood clot. It had nothing to do with athletics. You re- read various reports, that's what he stated. And he also stated that it was an act of God. It was Braden's time. So, it, it, interesting information.
1: So, yeah, so then talking to you know Mr. Green, I still had as many questions that I had from the first day, you know, so. The school clammed up from day
2: one as far as giving uh, Joanne information as to what happened to Brayden. I mean, literally clammed up. And that's the same problem that we're facing today. And the reason that Joanne came to me outside of being her friend was she needed help getting answers.
1: Like That was the only contact that I had from the school. So then once things started to calm down, then I started to call to find out, like you know, where was his stuff? Uh I don't know if I did no, I did that after Mr. Green stated that he wanted to come here for the services. He wanted to see, you know, how Braden lived. He wanted to see what well, you know, this fantastic kid because he made a difference with them, you know, in two days. And the team was, you know, very distraught and you know. You know they just were worried they were worried about me and you know so on and so forth so
0: now i, I want to go back to this uh flow of information or lack thereof uh, a little bit and i know if i ask anything that i'm not supposed to ask you will interject um because i hear what you said and, and i did look at the the si article um now again you're saying that we know that you did not hear anything from the school however um, and maybe you can enlighten me in terms of the time frame when the coach made the comment about being a block How many days had passed since the passing that he said that if you, if you know
1: now, that was immediately that night. Well, me- you know, I don't know if it was that night or the next morning because the articles, you know, he immediately said and it sounded like in one of them he was standing outside of the emergency room. That's the image that I have in my mind from reading one of these articles is that he just you know appeared from out of the emergency area and that he just started saying that it was a blood clot because the doctor told him that you know this was a blood clot and Mm -hmm. you know that this was something that we knew nothing about it was an underlying condition and the family wasn't aware of it and all this but we didn't even get these reports until you know a few days later but they were coming out in succession it was like one right after another from different media outlets there in Kansas.
0: And at what point, because again, according to, you know, whatever, uh, Asbury Park Press, SI.com, there was an internal review done. How long after, um, you know, you start, you, this blood clot incident, uh, as I like to, as I refer to it, did then the school decide to say, hey, you know what, oh, we need to do this internal review, to your knowledge.
1: We haven't even gotten that far yet. So Mm -hmm. now, this is August, First that this happened, so like I said, I don't know if he immediately emerged from the ER or what. But in my mind, that's what I'm picturing—that he just appeared and said, "This is what happened." Now, how everybody even knew to contact him? You know what I mean? I which i do don't—I find to be shady. But in any case, he. Uh, th- so then, after Mr. Green comes and he participates, he goes back. I don't even have Braden's belonging, which. I didn't understand why they just didn't check Braden's suitcases with Mr. Green when he came here. Mm-hmm. So in any case, okay, he came, he saw, he went back. Okay. So now I'm thinking, I don't even have his clothes. Like why didn't they, so in his belongings, you know, was his ID, his phone, his debit card, his, uh, cash app card, uh, his medical insurance ID, all of that, the dentist, all of that stuff. So I'm like, oh, you know, I need his phone. I need all that stuff back. So where's the stuff? So then I started to call. But then I called to find out, like, what police reports they had, you know. They were going to send them to me. So I called Garden City Police Department. They have no record of this happening. There was nothing done on their part that I should call the Garden City Campus Police. So I immediately get off the phone. I called the campus city police. I mean, the campus of uh, the Garden City campus police. So I speak to a chief dozier and he's like, no, they didn't do a report because they can't handle things of that ma- magnitude. So I'm like, OK, this is a small school. OK, this sounds like it could be credible.
2: So, My office um, also confirmed with both the campus police and Garden City police that no investigation was done, no police report was written. No okay, report was written. No, I either. There is no documentation. Brian, I just want to answer your question. You had asked uh, when did the school say they were going to do an internal review? Um, it wasn't until I got involved and had sent correspondence advising uh, of my representation and. Um, that's when we were told that there was an internal review. And then afterwards we were told that we would not be provided with a copy of that. Uh, and that's when we said we're getting on a plane and we're going to Kansas. Okay. But before even all of that,
1: before even all of that, these articles are steady now coming out regularly. So Jill is my friend first. So, you know, she's, you know, she's by my side. She, you know, we're all like, going through this trying to help each other you know so and jill is not only friends with me but she's friends with most of the village outside of a professional relationship so we're all you know in contact with each other we you know we go to dinners we you know we're in book club together we you know we do a lot outside of the whole professional thing so meanwhile her associate who's also you know he's you know done stuff with my family things of that sort he's steadily reading these articles you know, but I'm reading them as well. So people are then posting on Facebook, Did you see this? Did you see that? This don't something, blah, blah, blah. You know, so now, but everybody wants to be careful of me and how fragile I am. Mm-hmm. But me, everybody's taking this stuff in, but every article is really saying something different. The only thing that linked them both is that they all, or, or licked them all, was that they all said he had a blood clot. You know, so, but then some articles were said Braden was in his room. Then he was found outside of his room. Then another article said he was outside the building itself. Every article placed him somewhere different, but they all said he had a blood clot.
0: And meanwhile, he- just so we clear again, to drive it home, you are still personally as the adult, as the mother, as the, um, you know, main blood relative for lack of a better professional term there. Uh, are still kept in a dark as to of the details.
1: Right, right. Mm-hmm. So, but we're reading all these different things, but like I said, they all place him in a different area, but they all say he died of a blood clot, but not once was there an interview with the actual emergency room doctor. So mm-hmm. even this, when he said this, is he saying what the doctor said, but it's not the doctor actually reporting this to these news outlets. In fact, there's nothing in
2: the hospital, the emergency room report that suggests a diagnosis of a blood clot. I, my understanding right. is, is a blood clot cannot be a, a diagnosed truly diagnosed until an autopsy's done.
1: So then, in the meantime, I call Ruda, Ryan Ruda. So I said, you know, interim president. I'm just wondering, you know, what happened again. You know, I wasn't present, but we're going to, you know, interview everybody involved and. I'm going to make sure you're kept abreast as to what we find out.
0: Now, was he referring to the internal review?
1: I guess, but it wasn't called that at this time. Okay, He just told me it was going to be an investigation and that they were interviewing everybody who was present and that they were going to keep me abreast as to the findings and what happened. But they were going to be sure to keep me up to date. Because, you know, as far as me being a mom, you know, me wanting answers and they were just going to make sure I knew what happened because I'm still asking what happened. There's no police report. But in this also present because it was a a conference call in his office was Chief Dozier of the Garden City Campus Police and Colin Lamb, who was the dean of students, but he's now the athletic director.
0: Okay.
1: John Green is no longer the athletic You director, have to follow the bouncing ball.
0: Yeah, I was just about to say, so the, the previous athletic director. Yes.
1: Right. So in the midst of this, right. we find out that Mr. Green knew he was leaving October 1st. He was going back to his home state of Texas. Okay. But I didn't know what capacity he was going back. I just knew. But he didn't want to tell us, we found out later, during the services or anything because, you know, I guess they were still finalizing things of that sort. But in the meantime, by the time I got this phone call from, or I was participating in this phone call by speakerphone with, um, Uh. Ryan Ruda, Colin Lamb was the Dean of Students. And he too was gonna, I guess, participate in this investigation because now he was now the acting athletic director. Mm -hmm. So it was the three of them and me. So immediately when I hung up the phone, then I got on the phone and I called Jill. So as I'm telling Jill all of this and who I contacted, in the meantime, I was also doing my own legwork as far as, okay, well, where's the medical documentation? Right. So they gave me the name of Cecilia. I don't recall. I don't know. <laughs> but they gave me her name and her number. No, I Googled it, actually. So they gave me the number to her and the hospital. So I called Cecilia and I say, you know, I'm Braden Bradford's mom. I'm wondering like when I'm gonna get any official documentation because there's things that I need to do on Braden's behalf that I can't do without this information. Oh, okay. Well, as soon as they do the autopsy, we're going to, you know, get all that information. And since you're in another state, we can either email it to you or we can send it to you certified. I said, well, I need it as soon as possible. I would appreciate, you know, the email. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she gave me her phone number or whatever. So now she was like, yeah, she said, but you know, you can't talk to the doctor directly or you can't talk to the coroner directly you know, it has to go through the proper change. I'm like, okay, you know, how soon should I expect that? Oh, usually it's 30 to 60 days and you should have that information. So I'm like, okay. So I'm like, all right, I hang up with her. Then, um, I don't know what I called. I don't know who I called. I don't know if it was my sister-in-law or whatever. Usually Jill was always a phone call away. So I called Jill. I'm like, Jill, I talked to this Sicilian woman and I, you know, we can't, Get the autopsy before thirty days. It might be at least sixty, which is typical. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. So then I needed something else in another department, you which death certificate. Yeah, which was outside of the hospital, right? right of course. So they give me a number. I call that number. Cecilia answers the phone. So, I'm, <laughs> right, so I thought hats. I see. You, we had like maybe five different phone numbers, but they all led to Cecilia. Wow. So Cecilia is the point person for all these different departments. So I thought immediately of I Love Lucy. There's an episode where she goes back to her hometown after she marries Ricky and Ricky makes it big and they go back to this little bitty town and they get in trouble or something and she has to see the judge. Well, the judge is also the fireman, he's the sheriff, <laughs> and he's something else. And he literally pulls all these different hats out and he puts whatever capacity he's in, he puts that hat on. Hilarious. And I laughed because I thought that was so funny, but I immediately like think this is what, what's going on. This right. has to be little, like tiny town, and one person holds like 10 positions. Right.
2: Just to back up a tiny bit, even getting the emergency room report was a task. Let me tell you, Brian, I've been practicing law for 30 years. This dealing with these people involved in this particular case has been the fight of my life, every step of the way. Uh, So even getting the hospital report was just a fight. Uh, You know, initially it was, oh, well, we're spelling Brayden's name one way the uh, HIPAA release form spells Braden's in a so
1: you at host- the hospital couldn't get his name right
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, it's delayed so getting the emergency room report is delayed. Excuse me just to interrupt her the spelling the misspelling of his name was they deleted an E it wasn't like his name was spelled completely we're talking about a simple letter right. was taken out of his name and they were making a big deal about one letter right so then on to the <laughs>
2: autopsy report so 30 days uh we called on the thirty first day to uh get a status and you know we're never put through to the coroner himself, Dr. Bradley Stuck uh Stucky. Um we talked to his staff. Uh thirty day days has now turned into sixty days. We call on the sixty first day, sixty and I believe we sent uh correspondence in between. Mm-hmm. The sixty first day we're advised ninety days. Uh, it's either 90 or it's approaching 90 days. We contact them again. Again, we've every time we call, we've asked to speak with Dr. Stuckey directly and we're told, you know, that's not going to happen. Um, when we're told that we may have to wait now 120 days, uh, I pretty much blew my stack. Four months. Uh, right. And I said, If I don't get that autopsy report, I'm coming there and getting it myself. What is going on? I demand to speak to the coroner. We then sent a very firm letter, uh, basically giving the history of uh, our phone calls, the delays, demanding to know what was taking so long. At that point, Dr. Stuckey contacted my office and we did speak with him directly. Shortly after that, we did receive the autopsy report, and lo and behold, there is no blood clot. There's nothing except a diagnosis of exertional heat stroke, loud and clear. We also have been very, very lucky, very blessed to have had uh, Dr. Randy Eichner, who is uh, an export expert, expert uh, in this particular field. Um, you know children, involved in uh, af- athletes, involved in uh, sports activities, uh, uh, dying of exertional heat stroke and other non-contact uh, conditions. And he really held our hand the whole way. And, and when he, uh, we had him review the autopsy report, and he had stated that it was one of the most thorough autopsy reports, he applauded uh, the pathologist um, and said she did an excellent, excellent job.
0: Now, uh, Joanne, when you finally heard this from officially, what was your feel? How did you feel? And that may not even be the appropriate question. What went through your mind when you finally got some semblance of an answer?
1: I don't even, I don't even know. I, I was relieved that we finally got the report. I was really relieved to know that this wasn't something that I didn't do right. or that I did to my child. I i was upset that literally now they're telling me he was worked to death you know what i mean for a game that he loved so my emotions were all over the place
0: let me transition just just a little bit um so we we kind of moving forward a little bit we know the outcome of the autopsy um you know uh mr eichner i think i'm saying his name name right
1: Dr. Right. Dr. dr eichner
2: Yeah, right.
0: He uh, kind of confirms how this occurred or why this occurred, um, that this is actually a thing that can happen if one uh, athlete is overworked. What have you learned in terms of details that you can provide anyway, um, in terms of the, his Braden's last moments? I mean, outside of the fact that, you know, we know that he was. Overworked? Did you did you get any more, come about across any more information in terms of details to your satisfaction or that either um, started painting more of a picture for you? Well,
2: let me just, no, you go I'll ahead. respond to that. Um, at one point, uh, when it became very clear that the school was just absolutely not going to provide us with the answers that we need because no one will tell us who was with them, no one will tell us if anything was said was he asking for her was anyone holding his hand nothing and as i said earlier when i received correspondence from counsel advising that uh we would not be privy to the internal investigation actually at that point he had uh, the college's uh, attorney had said um that the internal review is being conducted but there was no end date so and there was a question as to whether we would be permitted to see the review or not. It wasn't until later that we learned that we would not be allowed to see the investigation, the report, um, the review, as they called it. At that point, Joanne and I said, we're going to Kansas. We're going to find out as much as we possibly can. Uh, We're going to do our own investigation. And the two of us got on a plane and got to Kansas. And at that point, we went to the campus and we observed the air, the campus grounds, and there were players, there were other football players that were there. And Joanne went up to, you know, a young man that looked like he could have been a football player, right? Mm-hmm. And all she had to say was, "I'm Braden Braden Bradford's mom, and I'm telling you, I, I don't want to start crying here, but it was so emotional because." these children just embraced her and the tears were flowing and hugging each other. And it was unbelievable. And that is part of how we got our information, what we do know. And I don't want to go into too much detail. Um, uh, You know, we were also put in touch with several players. Uh, People reached out to us. Um, mothers, concerned mothers, reached out to us and uh, put us in touch with their sons. You know, these children were scared to talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were really scared right. because um, the, initially the ones we had spoken with had left the college. Uh, you know, they were devastated by what had happened to Brayden, yes. and they had left the college. But they still had were pursuing football careers, right. and so they were afraid that there would be backlash if they. You know, divulged Mm. any information to us. But, you know, at the end of the day, they felt like they had to. They had to do the right thing. And everyone that I spoke to said the same thing. I don't know what I would do if this happened to my mom. I I can't imagine how my mom could get through something like this. So they did it for Joanne. I believe the Asbury Park Press uh, quotes certain players stating, you know, we all know now that water was denied at this particular uh, conditioning practice and possibly at other practices as well. We know that uh, Brayden was struggling. We have many, many reports uh, stating that Brayden was clearly struggling. He was having uh, difficulty. Uh, he was bent over, um, gasping for air. Um, you know, he he didn't look well. He was having trouble finishing, and that he was being admonished for it. That that you know, he was being yelled at and uh, belittled. We know that from the, the statements made to the articles, and we know that from the players who came forward. And who uh, gave us this information and just
1: and and going back to our trip to Kansas, what we found to be so strange while we were out there is that they when this first happened, they immediately so many newspapers there or I don't know whether they're independent, whether they're well-connected or whatever. They all reported that Brayden died of a blood clot, but they never reported once we got the autopsy because as soon as we got that, it was released. So there was nothing... No retraction. it has been transparent on our end. You get what I'm saying? Yes. But when we got out there, everybody still thought... And we went January? Um, yeah. So Brayden died in August. We went in January. The autopsy had been out since November, the beginning of December. Everyone out there still believed that Braden died of a blood clot. No one updated the town, the people, or nothing that Brayden died of a heat stroke. Even the players still thought that, you know, he had died of a a blood clot. So we were amazed. So then we just started telling everybody while we were out there, you know, no, it came back. And we have it, you know, in black and white that he died of exertional heat stroke. And it was warm while we were out there in January. So... I can just imagine the summer months,
0: you know? Now, and I just want to reiterate what Jill was saying. This is just for everybody, just as a point of reference. What Jill said, these things are a matter of of record in terms of they were reported upon across various media outlets. So she's just not uh, making this up. She's just not talking off the cuff. And I've read a lot of these things, too. So I just, again, just want to put it out there. Okay, ladies, um, what is it that you are Looking for ultimately.
2: Well, Joanne will tell you what she's doing. She has a much uh, a bigger vision. Uh, right now, as, as uh, her attorney, my goal is still to that Joanne answers answers about what happened that particular day. Mm. It's, it's been a struggle. I mean, we've been stonewalled every step of the way. Interestingly, uh, this, the college uh, made a, gave out a statement. Uh, uh, promising transparency to the family. They have been anything but transparent. They've been the complete opposite. Uh, We've been denied the internal investigative report. Um, We were were kind of strung along, if I can use that term, about uh, video surveillance footage. Uh, We were told that we wouldn't be able to see it because of FERPA laws, um, which protect students' education and so forth. Uh, And then After that, when I argued it wasn't protected under FERPA, I get a letter stating, oh, well, the footage was overwritten. It's uh, overwritten every 14 days. So it's gone. I mean, you know, just one thing after another. And. How easy would it be for this school to do the right thing? If you look at the Jordan McNair case, uh, the young man who also died of exertional heat stroke, uh, he was a a football player at University of Maryland, Mm -hmm. University of Maryland did the right thing. They got outside sources, which is what we're also looking for Garden City to do. They they, uh, retained outside sources to do a very thorough investigation. They uh, interviewed students, they interviewed staff, administration, doctors, independent doctors got involved and they issued a report that ultimately helped to make changes in uh, the safety and practices involving the athletes at the school. We we would like to see that as well. I have demanded an independent investigation, but my demands have fallen upon deaf ears. Uh, our senator here in New Jersey, Vin Gopal Paul, uh, wrote directly to the attorney general of Kansas, also demanding in it that an independent investigation be conducted, uh, which he received a response from the Kansas attorney general uh, denying that request, saying it was out of uh, his uh, purview to do that. So, um, you know, again, one uh, one. One wall after another. Very frustrating. Very, very frustrating. But Joanne has a bigger uh, view, um, a bigger
1: goal, and I'll let her talk about that. My goal, since all this has um, started, is simply that I need services for all the boys that were there that had to experience this. Um I, myself, I attend therapy every week. I attend a mom's support group. I have the resources to kind of help myself. It's still the school's responsibility to help those kids. From my understanding, they were only off a week from football activities. So the local church did something for them for a week. But this is not just a week problem this has it's still for me I still cry every single day and it could just be I look at a tree outside it doesn't matter what precipitates you know or what I'm doing beforehand I still in any given moment just have a thought and I'm I'm bawling so for me the goal is it's just helping the kids that are left behind it's you know bringing awareness to all communities that this could happen to anybody at any time in extreme conditions. And it doesn't like we have dog days, you know, of summer and it might just be three days, but it could be a heat wave. And automatically on the news, they're telling you, check the elderly, make sure they're okay, Make sure it could just be your grandmother sitting at a field watching you play soccer or watching you play football or and you're sitting there and you can't catch your breath because clearly, you know, this was preventable
0: real quick um just off the top of your head uh, and i'd like to leave things also with you know a little bit of a positive uh take what lessons can be learned from this tragedy is there anything that you can share um with respects to that in terms of you know what you've learned or experienced
1: as a parent i learned that if i had another child That I was going to be responsible for sending off to school. I wouldn't care if the school was five minutes from you or it's across the nation. One, you investigate the entire school, investigate the entire organization. The other thing that I've learned through all of this is that you have to live your best life. You know, and sometimes that just involves you just saying good morning to the person standing next to you because you don't know anybody's backstory. I look normal, but I'm not normal at all. I may still smile, but I have now an incredible story because I never would have guessed that my 19 year old son would have gone to school and died two days later.
0: Well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been an honor for me. I, and I, I appreciate I'm so appreciative of, of the time that you guys shared. I, we went longer than I thought, which is absolutely fine. But I'm glad we were able to have this talk and for you to tell your story. you. Well,
1: no, thank, no, thank, thank you.
0: you. And I'll see you guys on the 11th. All okay. right.
1: Okay. Thank you. Thanks. No doubt.
0: Bye. Later. OK. That about do it for this edition of the Brian Black Experience. I hope you enjoyed the whole interview with Joanne Atkins Ingram and Jill Green Ladies and gentlemen, please be on the lookout for more. Um, also, hashtag Justice for Braden. That's Justice, the number four, Braden. if you want to show support for Joanne. And just let the world know about what's happening over here with Joanne and her efforts to find out what happened to her son and to get answers from Garden City Community College. Don't forget to share and like this on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, it's very important that we support each other. Thank you for supporting me. And if you guys have any questions, please again hit me up at the Brian Black Experience, uh, B underscore skills on Facebook, excuse me, Twitter or Instagram. And also, special shout out to the next come up for allowing me to work with them and helping Joanne get her story out. Shout out to the city of Asbury for supporting me. Shout out to U.S. Representative Christopher Smith For supporting Joanne And uh, giving me some time uh, Last week And um, that's all I got So as always Be yourself, never change And as for me I am hence now and forevermore Unapologetically Black Brian Black, I'm out